Hey, this is Joey Pants. And this is Danny Pants. And we are talking to George Wallace today. Yes, on No Kidding Me Too, because that's the name of our podcast. Yeah, and we want you all to join up and, and listen in. And thank you for joining. And thank you for the great reviews. And and uh, and George is an old friend of mine. Uh, we did a movie in New Mexico together. Um, now, Danny, he you know, he's very shy. So you're going to have to really work and get him to come out of his shell. Oh, I'm sure. I, I, yeah, comedians are usually known for, for being very shy. All right, so let's just fire up our Zoom and we can see and hear him. That would help. Seeing and hearing him would definitely help. Hi, George. Bonjour, comment allez-vous? Hello, Georgie. Hello, hello. What's going on? Comment stai? Yeah, I don't know. What's going on, dude? Well. You look good, Joey. Thank you. Thank you for doing this. We really appreciate it. Uh, you're in Atlanta still? I'm in Atlanta still. There's nowhere to go. I will be leaving here on the 28th. Of this month? Where are you going? I'm going to Las Vegas because the numbers are there uh, low. They like had 139 cases uh, in the last two days, and the numbers are dropping. And, of course, nice. here, Atlanta, places like Florida, people are still going crazy, you know? Mm-hmm. So the numbers... So I'm going to, and I live there, so I'm just going to go home. I haven't been home in a year. Wow. But you got your shots? I got both my shots. I'm a badass man, Joey. I'm bad. I got both my shots in the same day. I told the doctor, I can't be going back and forth in all of this traffic in Atlanta, coming out to the hospital, these sick-ass people down here, giving my shots right now. He said I couldn't do it. I said, like hell, I can't. He got him walked out. I walked in the next room next to me and the doctor, the nurse said, hey, Mr. Wallace, how are you? You here to get a shot? I said, yeah. Bam! I had both of them just like that. I walked the hell out of there. <laughs> hey, Joey, and I'm going to get to Johnson & Johnson because I got to go with the black company. You know, Johnson. One, one of those Johnsons is, is a black man. I know that for a fact. What? No, he's not. Johnson & Johnson. Just- <laughs> not on the box. I get those cough drops all the time. And they get white guys with long black beards. Johnson and Johnson. No, that's 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 Smith Brothers. Oh. <laughs> You're talking about Smith Brothers. I'm talking about Johnson and Johnson, black man. You know, back in the day, your daughter is too young. Uh, 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 Daniela, you're too young to know about this, but we had a company called Sears and Roebuck. Yeah. He doesn't remember this, but Roebuck was a black man. A lot of people see. Last month was Black History, and I hipped a lot of people to a lot of history. Sears Roebuck was a black man. Yeah, but Sears and Roebuck started out as a catalog uh, in the 17, 1800s, where you could you would mail the stuff to people. It's kind of interesting. We lived by that catalog, too. It was also from, Daniela, close your ears. Close your ears. Susan Roebuck was also our X-rated uh, book, like uh, yeah. uh, Playboy. We would look to the ladies in the brasserie department. What do you call the lingerie department? Oh, yeah, they, they, were, they, they were in the back of the book. Yeah, and we would look at the ladies, ooh, and, you know, they were selling bras and things like that, but we were looking at it. I still do that. You know, I got I got four women in my house. That's how you do because you're cheap. <laughs> Danielle, are you going to let him talk to me like that? Danielle, you don't think I'm cheap, do you? I absolutely do. <laughs> Listen, he, he still to this day cannot afford Playboy. <laughs> hey, Joey, I was voted one of the top funniest tweeters by Playboy magazine, and I'm going like, hell. I didn't even know they were still in business, you know. <laughs> they, they, crazy. Uh, 
See, don't talk to me, Daniela. My subject matter just runs all over the place. You never know where I'm going. I love it. Let me know when we, are we started? Are we rolling already? Oh, yeah. Oh, we already rolling? Yeah. You know, we were, on the day that this crazy kid killed all of these women, Nancy and I did a tour of a house that we were interested in, because as you know, George, we're interested in moving to Atlanta, the Atlanta area. It's still good. You're still good. That's where I'm born and raised. Please come to Atlanta. Yeah. You know, what's happening now, understanding what's happening, this kid bought the gun on the day that it was easy for him, a white 21-year-old, to go and buy a gun on the same day that he was going to kill all these people. Uh, And it would be harder for him to to uh, to vote it would be harder for a, a black person or a person of color to register to vote than it was to get that registered for that gun now that if you were a gun shop now see a gun salesperson or the gun show or whatever after daniela you've seen his p- picture his photo right mm-hmm. when you look at it and say there's something wrong with this guy you can look at him and tell right off the bat mm-hmm. he needs a, not a three-day check but a three-month check this guy has mm-hmm. a racist look now, you guys are Italian, so you probably, I'm sure you face some racism somewhere, but some of us black people just know racism when we see it. It's just like when you first see Mitch McConnell, you just go, mm-hmm. What's the guy named in South Carolina? Uh, Lindsey Graham. Graham. Mm-hmm. Oh. What, Jim Jordan, Ohio. Mm-hmm. You just see, and that's what's wrong with America. Too many old, rich, white men in Congress. Yes. Not all oh. of them. Not all of them, but too many. You know, if you get rid of some of these older people with these, um, uh, what's the word I'm trying to look for, uh, look for uh, uh, antiquated thoughts and get some young thoughts in there. Even me, I make a great president, but I'm pretty much old, but I think young. Now look what the young people are doing. What, uh, let's go Georgia Blue again. Let's go John Ossoff and, uh, and Reverend Warnock. Reverend Warnock upset Congress yesterday with a standing ovation about the new way to live and get rid of the prejudices and these antiquated thoughts these old white men have about racism and about voting. Why in any way would anybody try to suppress a vote? When you're an American, you're born, you got a social security card, you should be able to vote. Make it as easy as possible. As Mm -hmm. easy as possible. There's no reason they should be passing any law about voting. Georgia's did it now. I think 43 other states are trying to pass a law about making it harder for people to vote. That's the Jim, you know, the idea, these guys are outnumbered. So democracy will no longer apply to them. They've got to turn this experiment, this 400 year experiment into an autocracy because that's the only way it's going to be a minority. They're trying to do minority rule because all of the all of the young people, the Mexicans on the border who are trying to get into the country, they don't see them as people. They see them as as democratic future democratic voters. Also, and those- the same thing in the state of Virginia with the governor yesterday. Uh, um, Sixty nine thousand prisoners, uh, former prisoners that were uh, felons that were released or, or they're on probation, but they're out of jail. They paid their debt. He made it legal for them to vote too. But see, that's what they're doing. But it's not going to happen. No matter what the rules are, no matter what these people are doing and Repo- Republicans are doing, there's people out there like Daniela. The young people are not falling for that stuff. And they want to help. You got, the, you got the minorities. 
You got Black Lives Matter and all of these young, smart white kids. It's, and and, and old, some of the smart older people like me and you, uh, we know what's happening. Just do right. That's Okay, let's just say do the right thing. Mm-hmm. These guys cheat. I want to talk about your early days that, you know, as a young kid, I remember you showing me a photograph when we were in New Mexico. Uh, on, on and the I was bridge. the only black person in New Mexico at the time. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, they thought he was an Indian. They, they, would, they would say, hi, chief. Yeah, hi, um, chief. But uh, remember that photo you showed me? You were standing up. You were like 19 or 18 years old. I think it was by the, uh, was it the You the mean Pettis when I was bridge? at Dr. King's funeral? Was it the funeral? Yeah, Dr. Yeah, Martin Luther King Jr.'s funeral. Yeah. yeah. That's what that photo was of me. I was, you know, I'm born and raised in Atlanta. So how old were you at that uh, 19, that you hit it right. You have a great memory. I'm going, how the hell did he remember that? Because I had left college in Akron, Ohio, to come back to Atlanta to celebrate the homegoing of Dr. King uh, and living in Atlanta. I don't know what it is about Atlanta. So much um, happens here, civil rights-wise, uh, uh, if you look into history, you'll just see anything, the social uh, ills, uh, the leaders, the program-based, the uh, Southern Christian leadership, all of these places are based in Atlanta right now. What's based in Atlanta and what's really hot is uh, Stacey Abrams, one of the greatest yeah. people ever. And you see what's coming out of Georgia with the young John Ossoff, Jewish guy, Jewish guy, and Reverend Warnock, black preacher. And my new best joke is a Jew and a black man walked into a bar and the bartender says, what do you have, senators? Because I don't mind making, we're not, you know, when people talk about black history, we're not changing, we're not trying to change history. We're just trying to teach the truth. Well, you know, the truth, people don't like the truth. People don't like the truth. And, and, and it's amazing. And uh, me being black, I get hit with it every now and then. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much, Daniela, you've been to Las Vegas, right? And they called me the yeah. new Mr. Vegas. I made history in Las Vegas. I did really good in Las Vegas. Yeah. But every now and then, you're still black. I worked at a hotel called the South Point Hotel about four years ago after I left the Flamingo. So everybody's, you know, I made history at the Flamingo in Las Vegas. Everybody's begging me, please come back to Vegas. This hotel wants me to come back. And so the South Point Hotel, they asked me to come back a three-day weekend plus three times a year. So I went back, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. weekend, January 19th, around that era, that, that whole weekend. And I played, my opening song was Lift Every Voice and Sing. This was a year previous to, prior to uh, Taking a Knee, which most people didn't understand what Taking a Knee was about. Mm-hmm. And I played Lift Every Voice and Sing, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. weekend, which is the, known as the Black National Anthem. I got fired for that. Because the people, some of the people in the audience, old white people didn't understand it. And the, uh, the uh, Republican owner of the hotel or whatever the word got back said, what was that all about? Playing Lift Every Voice and saying, but it's Black History Month. I'm celebrating. I will always celebrate that song. And I love it. Now more is known about uh, Black Lives Matter and what happened in history and Redwood. And, and, and a lot of you white people are learning about things in history and and what had happened to black people and how the mistreatment and, and living. And I lived in that area. You know, I rode the back of the bus. I've done all of that stuff. Um, the Green Book. Maybe you saw me with Jay Leno with the Green Book. All black people had to read a book to know where to go live and eat in certain neighborhoods. Where it was safe to go live and eat. Where it was safe to go, yeah, yeah. 
See, Joe, your dad is pretty smart. Sometimes he acts like he's like a, a, a numbhead, but he's, he knows what's going on. He knows, what, he knows the right stuff, okay? Mm-hmm. Well, let he's me learning ask, all the rest. He's still learning. Yeah, We're all I'm still learning. I'm open to learn. But I want to talk about depression. I know that in my own life, in my own depression, that begun uh, as an adolescent. So when, when something like that, where, where you're fired for being black, for, for and not even being political, you didn't do it to be political, you did it to honor the, the weak. Did that kick up dust, emotional dust, from, from the kind of oppression that you had to endure when you were, when you were adolescent? All of my life, as old as I am, and I've been doing comedy since 1883. I'm an old man, okay? And uh, I have never, one day in my life, driven down the street that I saw police that I didn't tense up. Just because of what has happened in our history. Because I've lived a day that you could be driving down the highway and the policeman would be going in the opposite direction. Would turn around and come back and pull you over. And back in the day, you see what's happening with the police uh, policemen now, they're telling stories, it's all about them. And back in the day, it didn't matter what it was. If the police said you did it, you did it. Mm-hmm. There was no there was no cell phones, you know, thank God for these cell phones now. Joey, finish up your question on depression. Was that ever in your life? I mean, uh... Yes, <laughs> always in my life because you never know because if you go into certain neighborhoods, you always think you don't know what's gonna happen here. Remember, I'm a kid of the South. When I went to certain restaurants, you couldn't go in the front door. You had to go around to the back. Or And just, uh, Danielle, I'm also a part of the sit-ins in Atlanta uh, when we couldn't eat at restaurants. Uh, so we would go down. Being here in Atlanta with Dr. King, with, with uh, uh, Dr. Benson, uh, let's get some more names, John Lewis. All of these black leaders um, came out of Atlanta. I don't know. Atlanta's always been the mecca of black life. But going to a restaurant and not being able to eat, and just think riding or had to ride the back of the bus and things like that. Colored white waiting rooms at the bus station, colored white water fountains. So yes, I lived that life. And uh, it, it was, and when you grow up in it, that's a way of life and trying to grow out of it and equal rights for everybody. So you're willing to fight for this. So yes, uh, we've been depressed and, and to see it today, once again, coming back to the police, the police brutality. Who's the young man up in the corner? Is he the producer? Yes, that's Robert. You know, I haven't been to a grocery store, Joey, Danny. I haven't been to a grocery store since March, over a year. I haven't been in a pharmacy or anything like that. And I think I like it. I haven't been to yeah. a department store. I buy pants. I buy everything I want. It's a new way of life, isn't it? At 3 o'clock in the morning, I buy items, and they're at my house before 9 a.m. Or even come the next day. So isn't that amazing how life has changed? Daniela, yeah. when I was in, in in Atlanta, George wouldn't see me. I had to go and say hello to his building. <laughs> <laughs> he was up on his balcony and I waved at the building. Danielle, yeah. I apologize. I don't let anybody in. My daughter came by to visit me about six months ago. And uh, I live on the 25th floor, right? So I went out on my balcony and she's across the street at the mall and I waved <laughs> at her ass. And I said, keep going, keep moving. <laughs> Social distancing. Uh, Got to keep your distance, you know, but uh, I'm going to ease up on that now because now we have the uh, vaccines and. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, how do you get how do you get to the ground floor? I mean, that's 25 floors. you got a higher chance of getting COVID just stepping on that elevator. 
Danielle, didn't I tell you there was something wrong with your dad? <laughs> I was afraid to get on the elevator because, but I had on my mask and I had the plastic shield on mm-hmm. and, I, and uh, I was being cautious and I'm glad I did. I didn't go out because the people here uh, in Georgia are kind of crazy. They were catching up with Florida and in my community, uh, the numbers are disproportionate. I'm sure you've heard this in the black communities. But it's also now, you know, we got, we're getting shots for the old variants. This new variant that just shut down Italy. The entire country has been shut down because of a new variant that doesn't, that the, the vaccine doesn't apply to that variant. But Moderna so is working on that. And some, they say that, uh, they say it does. They say it does. Some of the uh, vaccines does, Moderna. But they're coming out with a new vaccine, which I'll get that on the same day too when they come out with that. Because I'm just booking a trip for for Italy in September right now. I, I wanna. I hope Rome is okay. You would you go to Rome in, in September? Oh, I would. I'd go to they Rome just, anytime. They just shut down Rome. My friend Billy Baldwin, the actor, I talked to him two days ago. He's was making a movie in Rome, and now they shut it down. So he's in his hotel room. I heard that leave. yesterday on CNN. Shut it down, and uh, the entire country. You think September is too soon to go if they were to open it back up? Oh, I, I don't know. I just don't know. We just don't know. We don't know anything. Nobody knows anything anymore. But I mean, let's say if they were to open it back up, is that too early to go to a place like that? That was where it was running uh, rampant? Uh, well, you know, September is, is you know, usually, normally everybody goes back to school, so it's not as crowded. They're, they're, you know, their crowded times in Rome is... Uh, June, July, August, those that, that's their big... Well, that is the most crowded time because that's when the kids are there. Yeah, that's when all the kids are there. September is called the elite season. That's when the people go like uh, like us, when the kids that. have gotten out of the way. And right. I'm going to surprise my kids. I did it last year, two years ago. But I want to go to Rome. I want to take them to Rome. I want to take them to Athens. I want to take them to uh, perhaps... Would you go to Scandinavia or would you go to Prague? I want to go to both. My dad speaks so highly of Prague, right, Dad? You yeah, Prague yeah. is the most beautiful European city I've ever been to, and then just outside of Prague, where they have the film festival, uh, it's called Cala Vivari, which which is the most you know where they go there for the for the water, you know, the healing waters. Oh, but, the uh, healing waters. And what do you do? Do you enter? You go into a, a pool or something like that? No, no, you drink it. It's on a river. And and they got and you, and you drink these waters. Um, you went there and you didn't drink the water. You I drank the water. Oh no, you didn't because nothing nothing has changed about you. You still play. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You drank the full cup. I drank many cups. Well, I, listen, I, I'm going to go there, Joey. Thank you so much. That's how I learn how to go to places. Now I thought it would be interesting for them to go to Stockholm or Copenhagen, but after you eat, it's a mm. beautiful city. Maybe not. A lot to do. We'll go there, and it's so. Oh no! It's they're also. I've been there too. Fantastic, but uh, Prague is is very contained, you know, and it's the most beautiful European city you you'll ever. I mean, it's just magical. That's what it's I was magical. told because I've been everywhere, and where I have I not been? But I used to love Spain. I go to Spain six times a year, but uh-huh. I haven't been to Prague. And when I hear people tell me where to go, that's what I heard so much about Prague, and I'm going to go. I'm going to take them to Athens, Greece. Then we're going to go to Prague. And I said, you know, why not take them into Berlin? Because yeah. I'm going to take them into Berlin. And then we get to go to old East Berlin when it was um, a communist country before they tore down the wall. I went there mm-hmm. then. 
And I know there's been some major difference, but Berlin used to be known as the party city of Northern Europe. Have you been to Poland at all? My dad and I went to Poznan. You'd like it. Really? See, Beautiful. I need to go to places. Yeah, I need to go to places. I've been to so many places in Europe, but I thought, what I do to my kids, I fly them to John F. K. Airport. I started this last year because they hadn't been anywhere. Daniela, nowhere out of America. So it was uh, four of them and one husband. I meet them at Kennedy Airport, and I had made arrangements for them to meet me in the um, Virgin Atlantic elite room, upper, mm-hmm. upper classroom. I had arranged with the receptionist at the desk. And I said, say goodbye to Bernard, say goodbye to them. And my kids were saying goodbye. And I had told them to ask them when we left. I said, they says, uh, you guys enjoy your trip. Do you know where you're going? And they all looked at each other and says, we don't know where we're going. They had no idea. And he said, well, take a guess where you're going. This is because uh, I had told them they were going to Aruba, someplace like that. Mm-hmm. No. He says, we're going to Jamaica. We're going to California. No. And finally, he says, well, welcome. You're going to London Heathrow. They freaked out because they had never been out of America, let alone London Heathrow. And they said, oh, my God. They went to London Heathrow. Mm-hmm. If you take them, and I took them to London. Uh, uh, we live right there at uh, uh, Leicester Square, right in the middle of the center of where everything is happening. And every third morning, I would wake your ass up. And I put them in all five, five-star hotels because I want them to experience that, you know. Every third morning, Wednesday morning, I says, tomorrow morning, 8 o'clock, have your bags packed, ready to go in the lobby. And so they got says, okay, they knew, they just just do what I tell you to do. And they never knew where we were going. We went to the, I said, we're going to, uh, we're going to go to uh, Germany. We're going to go to Berlin. Wow. On the train. And they says, oh, are you serious? I said, yeah, it's going to be a long day. Have your stuff ready to go. Instead of Berlin, I took them to the rail station. We got to the rail station. And they had no idea where we were going. And we got down, and we were late because I forgot about security over there. I forgot about it. So we had to take the next train. They were leaving every hour. So we went, Joy, you know, about it. We went to the channel, right? In London, England. So, and they saw the side, we're going to Paris? So they took the, they wound up in Paris. We got on the train and we got on one of the, the trains where the food and the dining and all. And it's only about two and a half hours from London to Paris on that bullet, that speed train. And they got to Paris and they freaked out. And I took them to five-star hotels in Paris. And, and we went to London to the Eiffel Tower. And the line for the Eiffel Tower was around the block. So we walked mm-hmm. and looked at it and said, okay, let's leave. We'll come back tomorrow. And then the next day it was raining. And I said, oh, look at this line. And for some reason I said, I don't give a damn. We're not going to come this far and not go to the top of the uh, – in some way I paid some kind of special fee. They put us right up to the front of the line. We went up there and uh, – it was an awesome sight for my kids to see that because they never would see that. And of course, we went all over mm. uh, Paris to all of the nice restaurants, the eating places, saw the, the Louvre, all of the right sights to see while you're in Paris. And and uh, Friday morning, have your shit ready to go at seven o'clock in the morning. And they had no idea where they were going, so we got. A, I had my limousine pickers all up in the truck. That van we ride in, so we got to early about. 15 minutes before flight time, we walked in. They had no idea where we were going. We walked in early, and the people were kind of waiting for us. And they said, oh, we've been waiting for you guys. Come on. Come on aboard. Let's go right through. And uh, when they got to early, they looked up, and it was Barcelona, Spain. Uh. They freaked out again. We're going to Spain, because that's my favorite place, right? Have you been to Barcelona? No, I really want to go. You have, Joey? 
Yeah, I, I actually lived in Spain for two and a half months when I did Empire of the Sun. I lived, I lived uh, Jerez, uh, Vista Hermosa, right on the water outside of Jerez, where where they, that's where they train the bulls and and, and grow the sherry. So we went to Barcelona. We walked out Los Ramblas, and we went out to the city of uh, Sitges, and just Spain is so beautiful. And going to the cathedrals and wait a minute, Sitges where? Sitges on the beach, by the side of Barcelona. <laughs> Not Sitges, Sitges. Oh. <laughs> S-I-T-G-E-S, Sitges, Sitges. I hope you guys get to go to these places. And uh, But I, that's what I did for my kids. And uh, That's wonderful. And uh, and they did not know where they're going. So this year they're going to go to Atina, and we're going to go to Plaka, we're going to uh, Mykonos. I wanted them to see all of the crazy places I went when I was a kid. It has all changed now. Mm. Daniela, but when we were young kids out of college, 21 through 30, we did all of the stupid stuff. Nude beaches, got all that stuff, and the nightclubs, and the nightclubs were crazy then, uh, back in Spain. That's where you heard of Ibiza, the Ibiza sound, that's where all of that came from. People were doing different things. People would go there to get away from everything. Wow. Well, you're nocturnal. Daniela, they, they, they don't, in Spain, they don't go to dinner until two o'clock in the morning. Until two o'clock in the morning. So, and the clubs wow. didn't open, the clubs didn't open until two. And the, and the after club opened up at four, and the super clubs opened up at six. What? Day clubs. Yeah, they, they, and, and it was like, you walk wow. outside, you go, oh my God, my eyes are killing me. You're on the Mediterranean. It was so awesome to do that. So I want my kids to see this, and uh, it was a lot of fun. So that's, this year, I'm gonna surprise them. They're going to Kennedy, they're going to Athens, they're gonna go to Prague. Now you guys just put Prague on them, and then I go up to Berlin. And then I'll bring the ass back to JFK. Nice. That's wonderful. I heard that you traveled like 250,000 miles a year. How did you deal with the last year and like COVID and like you can't travel, you can't even leave your house. Like how was that emotionally for you? I've never sat in the same place, been there for a year without leaving my house all my life. Even when I was, even when I was a kid, my parents traveled. So this is the first time I stayed in the house I dealt with it. I did a pretty good job, too. Sometimes I get a little depressed by staying in, you know, with the COVID fever, and I learned a lot of things. COVID's taught me a lot of things, you know, uh, different eating habits. You know, I would wake up in the morning. I was eating chicken and Cheerios, all kind of stupid-ass combinations. I had chicken and Cheerios. I had hot dogs and potato salad. I was eating all kind of crazy. And my grooming habits, I still haven't gotten a a pedicure. And I'm pretty sure when I get a pedicure, I'm going to have to go to Home Depot. My feet... (laughs) My feet are jacked up. I'm pretty sure I'm going to be like, that. I need like a, a chisel, I need sandpaper, and a jackhammer. My feet are jacked up. So but when, when you got depressed, because our listeners would like some advice, how did you deal, regulate it uh, to kind of abate it? Well, fortunately, I'm the most blessed person you've ever met, Daniela. Fortunately, I'm in a, I, I have a passion for what I do. I love what I do. I wanted to be a comedian since I was six years old. So how do I get a good um, comedy relief? I talked to people, I did a lot of Zooms, mm. such as I'm doing right now, and helping other people. My job is to sit down and write jokes and to make these jokes happen and make people laugh. And when I see happy people, it makes me happier. So I was still able to write a book. I wrote my book while I was. Um, yeah, that's right. I wrote a book, and I, I, I here's my book called uh, Bull Twit. I'm pretty popular on Twitter. It's called Bull Twit, 
how did I come up with bull twit? Because everything is bullshit. I, I said, love it. Bull twit. Let's change it, you know? And it's this online ramblings out of my head. Stupid things that I would do. Some of them make no sense whatsoever. Just little ideas, but I try to make you pee from your eyes. Have you nice. ever peed pee from your eyes? Like I said the other day, little things like um, I do. I don't play by the rules, you know. I'll mm. cook. I cook pot stickers in a nonstick pan because I don't play by the rules. I do stupid stuff like that. I'll eat cupcakes out of a pan and pancakes out of a cup. I do not play the rules. There's some changes got to be made in this world too. I just say stupid stuff out of my head. Things that shout out to my favorite Coke factory. Now I don't know what yours is, but mine is Burlington. Little things in my head like the Cheesecake Factory. That's a lie. They don't make. That's not a factory down there. That's a restaurant. So little things off my just pop out of my head like that. I love just it's it's crazy things I'll straight up do. You know, I'll turn the other cheek, even if they say, (laughs) even if that hurts too much. Oh, and they punch the other cheek, I'll punch them right in the throat. I'll do <laughs> stuff like that. I'll do stuff like that. I'll eat French toast when I'm in England and English muffins when I'm in France. I don't <laughs> give a damn. I don't play by the rules, okay? I'll take I a refrigerator it. magnet. I'll take a refrigerator magnet and put it right on the oven because I don't play by the rules. It's little things, <laughs> little ramblings, online ramblings out of my head. Yeah. How poor we were when I grew up because we were poor. My dog only had one rabies. That's how poor we were. Things like that in the book. It's, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever, but I was voted a top 25 funniest tweeters in the world by Rolling Stone magazine. That's so, awesome. So I thought, and I, and I said, well, this is fun. Because first of all, I didn't want to do it because I'm an old guy. Old people don't do what the young people are doing. And I said, why should I give away my jokes for free? Then I thought about it. I said, I'm going to try it. Because there's some people, I found out there were 500 million tweets a day. And these are people that would never get to see me worldwide. So let me give it a shot. And plus, my jokes, Joey, know I, it takes me a minute, a minute and a half, three minutes to tell one joke. Now I got to condense this all down into 140 characters at the time. And I still try to keep it low as opposed to the 240 characters. But I said, why should, why should I give these jokes away for free? But I did it because these people would never get to see me come to Las Vegas. And now I have uh, 850, almost a million uh, followers. That no. gets to hear my little my little joke book, and I love it. And it's not me; it's not what's in my book. It's the replies. Like the other day, I had a shout out to the top five bells in the world. The top five bells in the world. I can't find it right now, but I had Liberty Bell, I had Tinker Bell, I had Jingle Bell, I had uh, Patty LaBelle, I had Saved by the Bell, I had uh, Cowbell. The replies were. Oh, I guess dumb gets no love, huh? Dumbbell. <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, you never heard of taco? That's when I go crazy. The answers. Archie Bell in the drills? What's wrong with you, Wallace? Come on. Pat in the belt. And they just went on down the line. Dumbbell. That's amazing. And things like, and I do it all the time. And I'm doing so much I forget because I'm into the new book already. Mm-hmm. So the new book is called More Bull Twit with some of the replies there. And so I had a chance to do that, making people happy, and, and because they're depressed, also had a chance to do all of the talk shows, Trevor Noah, uh, Conan O'Brien, I'm doing Jimmy Kimmel coming up, and uh, I'm doing every show there is. Like today, awesome. I'm, I'm doing your show. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's fun, so dealing with depression, my job is making people laugh, putting laughter in your life, because when you stop laughing, you stop living. 
Laughter is healing for the soul. No matter what you do, you got to come out smiling. And that's what I love. And, you know, because we know laughter is the best medicine in the world. Laughter is free medicine. First of all, it's free medicine. And that's why we encourage people to overdose on laughter. Also encourage people to keep laughter in the reach of children. And when you stop laughing, then you call your doctor mm-hmm. and give the doctor, when you're laughing more than four hours a day, call your doctor and mm-hmm. give the doctor the same prescription so the doctor can laugh along with you. Because when you come to my show, that's why they call me Dr. Wallace. And I see all my patients on time. There's no waiting room, anything like that. On time, eight o'clock is showtime. That's when I come out. Doctor, you don't have to wait there an hour and a half before he comes to see you. And I guarantee you, when you come see George Wallace, you will walk out feeling much better than you do when you leave the doctor's office. And that's, that's why wonderful. I tell everybody, when you go to Las Vegas, you have a choice. You can go see the blue man, or you can come see the black man. <laughs> that's what we keep laughter in your life. <laughs> We're going to wrap this up. I have one more question, though, because you said this. We didn't talk about anything. Then we didn't get to everything. Did we talk about anything? What kind of? This is how it goes. This is how it goes. We just have a conversation. But you said, George, you said that you're a very blessed person because you have a passion. And that passion is comedy. Do you have any advice for people who feel like they don't have a passion and that they struggle with their mental health because they feel like they're missing that passion. What what would you say to someone who said, who said that to you, that ends, envies your passion? How would you? Most important, as I speak to colleges and people around the world, I always like to say, make sure you enjoy your life. It's just that simple. Make sure you enjoy your life. Sometimes I refer to kids just because you're graduating with a a degree in marketing doesn't mean you got to do statistical analysis the rest of your life. You just might enjoy arranging flowers, fixing cars, or painting cars, or fixing refrigerators. And when you love your passion and love what you do, honor your essence is, like, is what I like to say. Do what you like to do. And when you do what you like to do, don't worry about the money. The money will come. When you do what you I go on stage every night. I love it. All I do, Danielle, I just lie. I just make up shit. I just lie. That's all I do. And the people come and they pay to hear me lie. And if you love painting cars, it, it, the greatest joy in the world, you could see one of your customers says, man, what a beautiful job you did on that car. That painting looks good. Honor your essence. If, if it's talking and on radio, whatever you really love to do, I'm, I try to teach kids, make sure that's what you do for a living. If you like traveling, hell, be a pilot. Be a flight attendant. Go to these places. Be a travel agent. Go to these places. If you like painting, paint. Whatever it is you do, you should love going to work. I'm ready to go to work right now. I completely understand what you're saying, but then there there are people who, it's almost impossible to take that advice because that's the definition of depression is when things that you used to love to do and enjoy to do, you no longer can enjoy it. It's a tough terrible thing you got to make that happen yourself you got to be who you want to be you got to do what you want to do and you got to go where you want to go do it make it happen it will come to fruition just do it work on it and be happy make sure you enjoy your life Eat, travel be merry and meet other people let's leave it at that george that's a great button so this has been a great morning i got to talk about some things i never talk about if you guys call back i got the legal pad here And we'll write some new jokes. How about that? I love it. Thank you, George. We'll speak soon.
Bye, we'll George. Again. Thank you so much. God bless you. I love you, and there's absolutely nothing you can do about it because Danielle and Joey and Robert, my love for you does not require your permission. I'm George Wallace. Good day. Thank you, George. Bye, George. Thank you. I thought, uh, I mean, talking to George, I, I'm more depressed than ever. <laughs> I mean, it's like he's talking about traveling and taking my family. I mean, it's like he's costing me $100,000. What is, what is he, nuts? You know, he said laughter is the best medicine and it's free. And it's, it's true. And he was so funny and so lovely to talk to. And, you know, what I love about our podcast is... What I just love about podcasting and being able to be your own boss, and like he said, break the rules. This one, we didn't get too deep into mental health, but we laughed. Um, he talked about honoring your essence, and I think that's so important. And I think that's something people struggle with because they're they're trying to do what, what they've been told to do. You know, go to college, get the good career that's going to make you a lot of money. And he said, if you're happy arranging flowers, just do that. You know, money will come. You have to do what makes you happy. That's the best money because at the end of the day, we're all going to die and you can't take your wallet with you. So enjoy what you like to do. And I think that was a very important message. And I think um, I think people will listen to this and laugh. And, and our podcast is all about just making people feel better and making them less alone. And, you know, laughing is a great way to do it. And I thought also too, Dad, what you said is, it's hard for some people to take his advice to to just find something that makes them happy and you know just doing it and he said well you just have to do it and that's very hard for some people just doing it but there is something to be said about it like you know when i'm alone in my room and i'm just sad i just have to i just first i just need to get up then i just need to walk to the door and then i just need to take a walk outside it's step by step breaking down so you know, when he says you just have to do it, oh, wow, you can't just say that. It's not that easy. If you break it down, you take one step at a time, mm-hmm. sometimes it can be that easy. So, well, you move a muscle, you change a thought. You know, mm-hmm. it's hard, but, the, that, but that's the antidote is, is that even though it's hard, uh, I know that I've got to do it. You know, and it's like one step, the next step, but uh, it, it's all. It uh, requires work. Yeah, a lot of work. So uh, thank you, Danny. Thank you, Robert. Thank you. I love you, Daddy. I love you too, Danny. These are the stupidest people I ever talked to in my life. Are we off? George is still on. He's still on, George. George is still on. I can stand up with my pants off now. We off these people asking all these stupid ass questions about traveling all over the world. I just made all that shit up. I don't know these people. <laughs>